0: head and stand, Uh, open your songbooks up to 472, Uh, Heavenly Sunlight. And as I woke up this morning, I was thinking of this song, how all the people in Florida didn't have sunlight, and we did. So I am encouraged by the fact that sometimes even Ohio gets it right. All
1: right, on the first. Walking inside journey over the mountains through the deep vale. jesus has said i'll never forsake
0: this song. The way I learned to sing this song was over at Cornerstone, we would listen to uh, this song be sung every Sunday. And Pastor Siler would intentionally and personally take care of the leading of the song himself. So there were some days where he was tired and his voice was kind of weak and he would just sing it regular. And there was other days where it wasn't. And he would just kind of like hold it out until he watched somebody in the back row explode. And then, you know, that, that was the indicator. So they had enough members over there, they could have a couple people explode every Sunday. We they would try to keep you all still moving. and uh, But I may just kind of hold it out a little bit longer. So watch the hand uh, if the hand is actually up working and doing its job. All right. On the second shadows
1: around me, shadows above me, never conceal my.
0: you're here in church today. Um, We have two more songs we're going to sing. I'm not really good at doing this. I'll try my best. So we're going to go ahead and turn to 46. If at any point my voice completely cuts out, hopefully you're singing so loud that you can't hear me anyway. (laughs) 46, one of my favorite songs. It's an old song, old for a thousand tongues to sing. And it's good that we crack open these songs every once in a while and just sing some of the things that people sang. This is Charles Wesley. He wrote the song back in the 1700s. Uh, Certainly, like what Dad was saying today, at an age when God God got a hold of men, and even men that maybe didn't have exactly the right Bible, but they still probably had more God than most of the people here today that have the right Bible. So they were doing with what they had. And this is one of the songs that came out of that period, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. song. I love uh, many of the songs that we have in the songbook that were written from that time period. They just have something that uh, spiritually uplifts you. Uh, It's the way they wrote the music, the way they uh, phrased the things they had to phrase, uh, the the things they had to go through uh, that gave them the words for these songs. uh, It carries into today. We still have the same problems, the same issues, the same challenges, and uh, these, these verses in the song apply to us today. Okay, so if you want to be seated for a little bit, I have one more song that we'll sing after this. Um, uh, actually, as things go, we will do the announcements. We will stand, sing one verse, so a song that I have to think of off the top of my head since I didn't write it down. Then we'll sing my third song. So uh, as far as events, anybody remember what the date is? I actually do not know what today's is. Seventh. Seventh, okay. So I can just go ahead and scribble out. Oh, no, actually, we have everything here. So. If you, have the right, if you have the right bulletin, it should look like this. We often have ones that float around that um, you know, people have been using probably since last year. Uh, Saturday the 13th, we have the Men's Bible Study and Breakfast. Um, we used to call that the Men's Bible Study and Prayer Breakfast. I guess there was so little prayer and so a lot more Bible studying, less prayer, but breakfast none the same. Uh, so we, we do some prayer there, but we do a lot of Bible studying. So if you want to... Uh, be there for that. Uh, you will leave, if nothing else, full in one of two, if not two ways. You can leave full in your stomach and leave uh, spiritually full as well. So highly recommend that. Greene County ADC ministry, if you want to be a part of that, uh, see Brother Tim, who's not here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, In which case, you see me and I'll let Brother Tim know that you wanted to see him. Uh, and if you want to I mean, you could actually probably be a part of that ministry today. You just go out and commit a crime, and we'll see you on the inside whenever we go to, you know, to preach there. So I would not recommend that method. Uh, you may have some other problems that are related to that. Bridal Shower for Faith at 12 p.m. on the 20th of November, which is this month. Uh, please RSVP by signing up the table. Last I checked, she was Amazon? Amazon? Okay. That's, it's, I guess it's easier to do that now since... Everything's in Amazon, so you might as well sign up with them. The 23rd, three days after that, midweek evening prayer service. So this is critical. Make sure you do not show up for services. Well, I don't know. Dad's saying we should start having uh, week two, three, four week-long services. So there should probably be somebody here on the 24th just in case somebody accidentally shows up. But (laughs) most of us are probably going to show up on the 23rd. Um, Again, we are Baptists, so food is going to be involved. Finger foods, hand foods, uh, foods and plates, foods, you know, cookies, cakes. You bring whatever you want to bring. We'll figure out if it's worth eating and we'll eat it, okay? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we did have a birthday on the 5th. Uh, Riley. Middle name, anybody? Anne, Anne as in Elizabeth?
2: Anne
0: wow. Okay. Riley Ann. Elliot. I'm on a limited amount of information from my wife. I only get... Andrig. sorry. (laughs) Very, very limited amount. She didn't even tell me the last name. Probably assumed I should have known it off the top of my head. Riley Ann Andrig. Now, see, they made, that'll be fun to say, you know, like 10 times fast. Riley Ann You Try that 10 times fast and see how it works out for you. Okay. She was born 7 pounds, 8 ounces on the 5th, which is a Friday. Sorry, I don't have my phone. I depend on my phone. 20 inches? Okay. She looked hungry when she came out, so uh, I'm sure uh, they should be home within the next yeah, next couple hours, I would assume, so it'll be good to see them back. I'm glad that for Elizabeth at least that event is over and they now have a baby to hold in their hands, so <laughs> keep them in prayer as she recovers. Am I missing anything outside of praying for the people that are down there on their way back? Just pray that everybody gets back safely to wherever they're going. Um, yes, ma'am. 22nd. Now we got to remember the day he went to heaven too, because that's a, probably the most special day outside of his salvation that he'll ever have. I was at a funeral yesterday. It's no no coincidence you mentioned that. And there were three preachers that preached. It was Brother uh, Adam Gray. For those of you who know Adam and Maria Gray, his father went on uh, to be with the Lord, uh, passed away from COVID. Um, and they had the full police honors. He was part of the police uh, academy or the police team. He was. Um, Hamilton Police County or Police Department, I believe, for 30 years. He was on the SWAT team. He was a sniper. All kinds of stuff that he did. They um, had three preachers that preached. Uh, the, the first was um, a pastor of a church, I believe, he had just moved to, and he was talking about uh, Solomon. He said one of the wisest men outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the wisest man that ever lived. And he said it is better to go into the house of mourning than to go into the house of mirth. I believe. And he was talking about how it is good sometimes better to be at a funeral than it is sometimes to be in a place where everything's happy and joyful. He said, because of what you think about the things, the perspective that it puts on you as a Christian, uh, when you're in a place like that, and, and particularly that type where you watch somebody go home to be with the Lord and you know, that that's not his body up there. That you're going to see him someday, but also that at some point that's going to be you up there. And that, when you realize every day that that up there is, that's my reality. Yeah, and you know, you go five, six, seven, eight years without a funeral. You forget that that up there is my reality at some point, and I better be prepared when that's me. Uh, and brother Gray, brother Melvin Gray, he left his family with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And and the guy, the second guy who preached was the guy who led him to the Lord on the police force. And it was just a, it was a great time to be there. It was of all, of all the things to say, it was a great time. I was glad to be at that funeral yesterday. There was stuff that I heard that helped me out. And funerals, if it's done right, and if you live the way you were supposed to live as a Christian, a funeral will be one of the greatest events that'll ever happen. Because everybody in the church knows where you are at. All the things, heavenly sunlight. He, that guy, is he's in heavenly sunlight with Bobby right now. He's up there with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's up there with everybody else that he got to hear and uh, and hear preached about. All those people, thousands and thousands. Of years. He is he is looking at Abraham right now. He's lots up there. He's got all those people that he's got in his vision right now that we can't see yet. And we're hoping and waiting and praying to get there someday, and, uh, and he's there. And that's, those are good things to, to think about, and it's good, good to be reminded of that. So, Okay. Um, that, was, that was good. Thank you for reminding us that. The 22nd, you said, correct? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm in charge. So yeah, let's stand. Sing a song. Anybody have a song they would like to sing? Because outside of that, I'm going to say like My Anchor Holds or something like that. Anybody have a song they want to sing for the, the, first, the first verse? I'm going to shake hands. Off the top? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's sing My Anchor Holds. Anybody have the page number for that? 271. 271, we'll sing the first verse and then we can shake hands for about five or six minutes and then we'll sing 125, Jesus Paid It All. 271. First
2: verse.
1: Dreaming.
0: everyone um it has come to my attention that i forgot to give an offering so we will go ahead and sit be seated this is a total mix-up from what we're used to but mix up sometimes is good for you so the biggest issue we're going to probably run into is i don't know if we have any of the ushers that are supposed to be david lynch travis there tim everyone's gone (laughs) So if I could get a couple filling, you know what? We only we have half the crowd, so we need half the ushers. If I can get two ushers up here, I'll be good to go. Or one, no, no, no. <laughs> two. We'll, we'll take one, right? <laughs> there we go. There we go. So if he doesn't ush the way he you would usually expect an usher to ush, it's because he hasn't ushed in a while. So give him, cut him some slack. I see All right.
2: Um, okay. Sure.
0: All right. Um, there, yeah, sure. If we can find a, if we can find a fourth, there we go. We needed a little bit of blue on this side over here. We got some blue over here. We need blue over there. There we go. Yeah, they did too. All right. Anyone have a testimony? Comes with the job responsibility.
2: I'll go. <laughs> it's good to be in church. Good to have this church here, where everybody went down to uh, Florida. Participated in the, you know, what they were doing down there, revival. I don't know what it was.
0: Or depends. I hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's just great to have this church and everybody here. And you know, it does me a lot of good. It does my wife a lot of good. Good. And brings us closer to the Lord. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this service. Thank you for this uh, collection. May it help us to uh, build this house better, serve you better. We ask all these things to your son, Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 Number 125, Jesus paid it all. And this first verse, every time I hear this, this, uh, I apply this to my own life probably as often as I can. Um, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me, thine on and all. And if you ever get to a point in life, which if you live for any length of time, you'll come to the point where you realize how weak and frail you actually are um, and how indeed your strength is small compared to some of the challenges that you get faced with. Um... You watch and pray, and you'll find in God you're all in all. All the stuff you need is in God. He'll have have everything you need to get through your trials uh, if you're willing to watch and pray and spend the time with Him that you need to spend. All
2: right, whenever you're ready.
1: I hear my Savior say thy strength small child of weakness watch and pray
3: for a normal Sunday. Uh, i was sitting back there, and our organ player, Jerry, they're all a bunch of... Is this going out? Okay, I better not say anything. <laughs> all, everybody went down south, which is a good meeting to go to. We went down there too, had to come back. Uh, it, was, it was one of those meetings where we were... Uh, Beth with Elizabeth in the hospital, uh, she wasn't in the hospital, we, we, think, we didn't think she's going to have her baby till next week, uh, but she decided to have it this week, and uh, we fly down on Thursday and uh, have to fly back Friday morning because of her birth, which is okay, I, I didn't mind at all, Duties never conflict, and the way I look at it is uh, that's a once in a lifetime chance uh, to be with your daughter. I, I didn't get to be there, but my wife did, and It's a a once-in-a-lifetime chance to secure your relationship with your wife. If I didn't bring her back, it would have been over right there. She would have probably destroyed me. Take your Bibles, go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 45. Probably one of my most favorite characters in the Bible is this man that I'm going to talk about this morning for a few minutes. Uh, His name is Joseph. Joseph is, is characteristic of a lot of things in our Bibles. And uh, you can get into your Bible, we can go as deep as you want to go, it doesn't matter. I mean, dispensate, all that stuff. I'm going to preach a couple messages, one this morning, one tonight, on, on the old uh, gospel in the Old Testament. And a lot of times we read our New Testament and we think that the gospel only shows up in the, in the four Gospels and when Jesus Christ dies on the cross. and 1 Corinthians 15, uh, uh, three and four says, for Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, was buried, rose again the third day. And, and that's the Gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, was buried and rose again. If, if a person believes that, they can be saved. But your Bible is littered, I mean, just across the spectrum with the Gospel all the way through it. And so many times you'll get people who know very little about the Bible or they know a whole lot about the Bible Uh, But what they miss in the middle of this whole thing is the gospel. Uh, Joseph, then Joseph, in uh, Genesis 45, 1, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them uh, that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him uh, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Father, thank you for your many blessings this morning. Lord, thank you that we still have a church to come to. And, and Lord, just thank you for letting us be here on Sunday morning. All those that are down south, I pray that you bless them and bless the meetings that are going on down there. And Lord, that uh, they all get back safely. Uh, father, again, uh, it's just a blessing to still be in the house of God, be in a church on a Sunday morning. And, and Lord, still have the doors open. And Lord, we don't have to worry about anything. This is a country that I, I just want to thank you for, uh, Lord, and again, everybody who came out this morning. Bless this message, and Father, uh, just give me clarity of thought as we go through it. And Father, we'll praise you on you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. I was thinking about it. I had a couple messages, and, and I know most people know the gospel, but sometimes we forget it, and we forget how, invalu- how valuable it is to us as, as having it. Uh, It is what it took to get me into heaven. I never want to forget it. I don't ever want to forget what happened to me in 1980 on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't want to ever forget that. I don't ever want to get to the place where I do not have joy in my heart to tell somebody else about that same gospel and how they can get it. But there's some things about your Bible when you start reading it. (coughs) I got got a dry throat, but uh, whenever you start reading through it, you start catching some things that God said. Joseph... Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ if you get in your Old Testament. There's several men, uh, Daniel's one, I'm going to preach on him a little bit tonight, but Joseph is a picture, of, a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And when you sit there and start looking at some of these Old Testament characters and start looking at them, uh, you'll, what you start seeing, uh, Adam is a type of Jesus Christ, uh, Eve is a type of the church. Eve sinned and was away from the, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for the church. Adam died for his bride. Adam, seeing Eve in her sin, knew that she was a sinner and knew that there was no hope for her, and he chose to eat the fruit with her and die for her, with her. And God then pulled out. So in that particular case, Adam is a type of of Jesus Christ, and Eve is a type of the church, and he died for his bride. Uh, In this case right here, Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ in many ways down through this passage. And when you start looking at it, the gospel is laid out right in your Old Testament the exact same way. It's still grace. It's through faith. But in the Old Testament, they're saved one way, if you could call that saved. They, they have to live it and work it and die and go to a place called Abraham's bosom. You and me, absent from the body, present with the Lord, we go right to heaven. After the cross, it's a totally different thing for us. But you see the gospel laid out. The story is not a new one. Never was a new one. Uh, it's the same way. You can go all the way through your Bible. And I remember the first time Fritz Biederstadt, a friend of mine in the Navy, showed me what a type was. I didn't understand. I was reading through my Bible, and he started showing me a few things. And I'm like, whoa, I never, thought, I never thought about that. I never thought about that. I never thought about that. And all of a sudden, all these types are showing up. And then you can see the hand of the Lord all the way through your Bible flowing all the way through it. Uh, I was down in Pensacola or in Jacksonville, and there was a blind man down there. And we ordained him. Uh, and he, he graduated, and he's, he's a pastor of a church out in Idaho, and, and Dr. Peacock asked me if I, while I was down there if I'd, I'd sit on the committee and we'd ordain him because he wanted some pastors on there to sign for him. And, and the Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. And, and he knows who ordained me. And, and he looks at that and he says, uh, he knows the secession there. I believe there's a secession all the way back to Jesus Christ on, on ordinations. Uh, I don't think you should lay your hands on anybody just to ordain them, just ordain them. Uh, you ought to feel like God wants you to ordain a person. But he asked me if I'd sit on this. I didn't know this man. He asked me if I'd sit on it. And I said, brother, because I know who you are, I will do exactly what you said. But it didn't take me but a few minutes to actually realize that, hey, this man is real. Uh, he sat down and he had a little book. He put, he put 12 men that are all graduates to shame. I was sitting there looking at this guy and I thought, man, I said, Lord, I said, he should be asking us questions, not us asking him. There's not a question any of those 12 could ask him that he could not answer with, with, with verses and everything else. Well, anyways, he, as he was going down through there, he was, uh, somebody asked him a question, said, hey, could you give us a, a testimony of something that you have done that really stuck out in your mind that, that meant something to you? And he goes, yes. He goes, I went to a, a, a gay parade. Uh, you know, it's, they just had one out there somewhere, but he's blind. He, he couldn't see nobody anyway, so he couldn't tell you anything what's going on. But he said, I went with a whole bunch of tracks and tried to pass out tracks, and, and nobody would take my tracks. I'm like, duh, that, might, that sounds pretty good. I mean, that sounds normal for the thing. I said, I understand that. And he said, uh, so he heard this dinging, 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 dinging. And, uh, and he goes, uh, so I said, hey, what is that? And he goes, it's a, it's a bottle toss with little rings. And he goes, take me over there. So like the bottle toss was here, and he had his rings, and he was going to throw them like this way. And somebody said, hey, you got to turn. So they turned him the right way so he could throw the rings. And all these people were looking at him in in astonishment. And and he goes, hey, will you guys, if I get a ring on, will you take my track? And they all thought, well, yeah, sure we will. So he throws a ring and drops right on a bottle. Uh, He didn't even know where the bottles were. So then he takes another ring and throws it, drops right on the bottle. And then another bottle, I, I, I was, and he throws another ring, and it drops right on the bottle. They said, he's not blind. <laughs> That's what they were all saying. They couldn't believe he's blind. He go, they go, wait a minute. It doesn't matter whether he's blind or not. Chances of getting three on in a row is, is almost impossible if you could see. And so they took his tracks. You say, what was it? Everybody was sitting there looking at him, and I'm like, that is a great testimony, man. Here's a blind guy. He goes, you know the reason I'm blind? He goes, because God called me to preach when I was 22, and I didn't do it. And he goes, God took my sight because I wouldn't preach. And he goes, even after he took my sight, I was mean and bad and upset and I still wouldn't do it. He goes, I thank God he took my sight. He said, I've learned more since he's taken my sight about him than I would have if I'd had my sight. And he goes, I'm like Fanny Crosby. He goes, the first thing I'm ever gonna see is Jesus Christ when I get my sight back. I said, what a blessing, man. I said, now that's the attitude to have. He's done chunked everything and thrown it away and said, I just wanna serve God. I'm not going to say everything. So I'm sitting there going, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for somebody to ask. And, and they're looking for the next question. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, what did you win? What did you win? That's what I want to know. I mean, three rings, surely you got like a stuffed animal like 10 th-. He goes, they gave me a bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, get out of here. But you know what the gospel, what, you know what his concern was? Was to get the gospel out. He could answer every Bible question no matter how difficult we made it. You want to talk about dispensations? He can run you right through the dispensations. I asked him, I said, what do you think the, the evidence, what is the, the purpose of the Holy Ghost in this age, church age? He gave me distinct answer, verse after verse after verse after verse, why, what is the Holy Spirit's job is in this age? Every question asked him, he had verses from Genesis to Revelation. His main concern was still the gospel. What we lose a lot of times is we we get into the thing where we think we're so far removed from it, we forget what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's us. And when we forget that, what we do is we forget our fellow man. Me and Beth flew down there. We got a flight, uh, and we flew from, we were supposed to fly into Washington and then down to Jacksonville. And uh, my wife, bless her, her little heart, overslept. I could blame her for everything. I should have had my clock set too, but I trusted her. So we overslept, so she's flying like a uh, maniac out to the airport, and we get out there. You gotta get there 45 minutes early, and we didn't get there 45 minutes early. We were there about 40 minutes early, and they couldn't get the bag that we had to check in to the plane. But they said, don't worry about it, we'll change your flights. So they changed our flights, He said, you'll get in Jacksonville five minutes later. On another flight, you'll go through Charlotte and then down to Jacksonville. Well, when we pulled into Jacksonville, they said, would everybody please remain seated? And I, I noticed in Charlotte, I see, being in the Navy, you know, I didn't know if y'all knew I was in the Navy or not, but I was. Here's these two Master Chiefs, one of them's a Senior Chief, one's a Master Chief, a couple Petty Officers. I mean, they're dressed out in their blues. I mean, they are they are dressed formal. And uh, I, I see them all through the airport. And we go we get a car, and the Senior Chief was sitting there, and and they took a casket off the plane, and they had everybody sit, and it was a Navy Chief, and I was a Navy Chief, and and I asked, uh, I stopped to see your chief. I said, uh, who was that down there? And he said it was a Navy chief. And I said, oh, it's sad. I said, what did he die of? He said he committed suicide. And uh, I said, going, You know, you, you think the gospel is, is boy, you just hope he had it. Uh, and it's anybody else. It's anybody else. It, it doesn't matter with just, but I had, I had, a closeness with the man in that casket, never knew the man in the casket, but we had a bond because of the military thing on that side. And you can see that senior chief's face and the mom, it must have been his mom uh, when they pulled the casket off of the airplane, his mom come over and touched the casket, was crying. And there's nothing you can do at that point, it's over. But what we have is we have the ability on this side of glory to reach people with the good news of the gospel. And brethren, sometimes we can take this thing and, and say, well, I already know all that, but what are we doing with it? Are we trying to do something with it? We got down there in Beth, uh, we stopped somewhere to get something to eat and, and we didn't have any gospel tracts. And we're in Jacksonville, Florida, so she goes over to church and we grab some at the, the church and, and you sit there and say, what is it? Well, you got to have a conscious mind of that thing. If the Lord put it all through our Bibles, I don't even know I'm going to get through this thing this morning, maybe I'll use this the rest of the night. Uh, but if he puts this thing in our Bibles, then we should look at it. Joseph is sitting here. He has a coat of many colors. Well, you read about Jesus and his throne, the God and his throne. It's got a rainbow around it. It just glows, all the emeralds and everything around it. Jacob, his dad, gave him a coat of many colors. That's probably the worst thing he could have done for that boy. Because now he gets a big puff head, and he's running around telling all his brothers what to do all the time. He's got 11 of them that he gets to hate him really, really good. Uh, they, and I think in, and back in 43 or 38, something like that, they throw him in a pit, sell him into Egypt. He goes down into Egypt, a type of the world. Uh, he gets down there. He goes all the way down into the dungeon. And the next thing you know, a couple dreams pop up here and there. And he's up next to Pharaoh, second to Pharaoh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He's second to Pharaoh. He's got the ring. He's got everything. And now he's in charge. In chapter 45... Joseph is sitting here and there's a dearth in the land and and the dream the Pharaoh had was seven years of good and seven years of of famine. And they're into the seven years of famine now and there's no way Jacob could have ever known this in a million years or his sons that over in Israel where they were at in the land of Canaan, there was no food. And they heard that there was food over in Egypt. And Jacob told his boys, he said, hey, y'all go down there. Don't take Benjamin, leave him here and go down there and get us some food. And when they get down here, they they come up and it says, and uh, Joseph could not refrain himself. You know that Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He said when he looked out over Jerusalem, he wept. He cried because of the people that was lost, but he can't, you know, he can't do anything for, the free will of man is still the free will of man. Man, Men and women have a free will, and God is not, the Lord is just not going to override that. But boy, I tell you what, if you have a life that will reflect Jesus Christ, they will see that, and after a while, you will get a hold of them. Uh, the key to the Christian walk isn't words that come out. I had a friend one time who said, words, words, words. It's not just words. It's living it. We had to learn how to live it. You know what Joseph did? He lived it. He, he went down in there. He did no matter where he was at in that. That's why I love the story of Joseph. No matter where he is at in his uh, decline all the way down to the the prison in the bottom of the, the Pharaoh's kingdom, this castle, uh, Joseph was always, he stuck out like a sword of thumb. He did the right job. He was the best servant you could possibly be. Uh, an old preacher once said, there is none that are so bad that cannot be saved and there's none so good that need not be saved. Everybody needs the gospel. It is the one thing we all need. We have to have it. We have to understand it, but the hard thing is to get somebody to understand it. I found out it took years to get people to understand the gospel. It isn't something you just spit out and people just going to fall down and get saved unless somebody else has already been doing work in the background to get them to where they need to be. I pick fruit just like that sometimes. But there was other people doing work in the background that has already set the thing up so when I got there, the Lord walked me right into a place and that person gets saved. And you say, how did they get saved? There was a lot more work to that than meets the eye. I lived on a ship for three years, two of them. And it took me probably two good solid years before I started seeing fruit on that ship, and I lived there eight hours a day. They see me eight hours a day, but I lived on those ships 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year until I got married on the second one. They have to see a Christian. They have to see something. That I had Navy SEALs that said, hey, this kid's a Christian, man. He's not a fake. They know what a fake is. They, they, I had Navy SEALs on my side. When you come up to me and start messing with me as a Christian, they were going to take you out. You say, why is that? Because they said this kid's real. Other kids, they watch other people. Well, I would take the hit. I think you ought to take the hit. The Christian walk is so important to get the gospel across to somebody else. You know, we don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be, I mean, all you have to do, you be like Jesus. You know what Jesus Christ did? He fixed everything. I think we ought to just, if you got a job, you ought to fix everything that's in your path. You ought to make it look as best as you can. I mean, as clean as you can, squeaky clean as you can. So you'll take all the reproach away from Jesus Christ when you get to a chance, an opportunity to talk about him. I used to love it on the ships when they sit there and say, you fix everything. Surely if you can do this, you can. Then, When you start talking about Jesus Christ, there must be some validity here. Yeah, it is. Joseph had that validity. You know, Joseph, when he went up to the Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh said, I had this dream of troubling. Nobody could tell me what it is. Joseph said, this is what your dream is. Pharaoh didn't hesitate. He said, can we find a man whose spirit of God is in it like this man? And he said, now he puts him all the way above everybody. Could you imagine Potiphar's wife? About that moment when Joseph shoots up to second to Pharaoh, he bypasses Potiphar. You know, within that man's power, he had the power to kill both of them, and he never did. He's sitting here in front of his brothers, and he's, he looks like a Pharaoh. He's got his little goatee. He's got his little mustache. He's probably doing this right here as he's walking everywhere He's going. I mean, you can't tell that he's not an Egyptian. He's been down in Egypt long enough. He's got the tan. I mean, he's everything. He's got it all, and they don't know who he is. He knows Hebrew, and he knows Egyptian. And then boys start talking. Go back to chapter or two. He gets them good, man. Chapter uh, twenty-two or 42. They go down there the first time, and one of the points, the first point is conviction you got to get convicted before you can ever get saved. Somebody, if you're working on somebody to get saved, if you're in here today and you're lost, you need to be convicted. You need to realize that there is a God, and one day that you're going to stand before that God, and one day you'll have to give an answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll have to give an answer to him at the white throne judgment, or if the saved ones we're going to have to give an answer at the judgment of Christ, but if you're lost, you're going to be at the white throne judgment. You're going to have to give an answer for yourself, and there's no answer that you're going to be that's going to be good enough. You say, well, why didn't I ever believe? Because you never got the conviction that you needed to be. You're the sinner, not him. I remember sitting on a back porch in 1980 saying, I'm the sinner, not you. I said, you don't have to convince me. I said, I've done read this thing enough to know that you didn't cause my problems. I caused my problems. And I just thank God that he ever got me to the place where I would say that. You know what's wrong with most people? They never get to a place of conviction. Oh, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe in God. I don't believe you have a God. I've seen people say that. I started a Jehovah's Witness one time, uh, Mrs. Buffin. And uh, we'd go over here for four or five years and knock on her door, and she'd let us in. And they, she'd let the kids come in and sing Christmas carols. And, I, I, and she told me she's a Jehovah's Witness. I'm like, I remember one day I said, Mrs. Buffin, you ain't no Jehovah's Witness. She goes, Oh, yes, I am. I said, No, you're not. I'm in her house. And, and she goes, Why am I not a Jehovah's Witness? I said, Because a good Jehovah's Witness wouldn't even let me in her house. I said, number two, you take all of our gospel tracts, and a good Jehovah Witness wouldn't even take a gospel tract from me. And I said, either, if you're a good, if you're a Jehovah Witness, you're a lousy Jehovah Witness. <laughs> She's in the hospital dying. I went down and talked to her. I said, Mrs. Buffett, I said, you need to get saved. She said, oh, Mike, she says, you don't know what I've done in my whole life. I said, I don't care what you've done in your whole life. I said, you need to get saved. I said, because one of these days, shortly, you're going to die. You're going to pass away. And if you don't get saved, I said, you're going to go to hell. She goes, Mike, you don't know what I've done. I says, Mrs. Buffin, I said, she was 82, I believe. I said, wouldn't it be, just think about this for a second. I said, you die and you go to hell. I said, the Lord don't gain nothing out of that. I said, but you live the life like you've lived your whole life. And you know what you did. You don't even have to tell me. I don't even care. I said, but you die. And one second after you die, you walk into heaven. And the Lord's got this Mrs. Buffin trophy sitting right there in front of him. And the devil walks up and he goes, he goes, look at that one right there, man. He said, I let you have her her your whole life. Her whole life was, she was yours. And she goes, at the last moment, she trusts me. You don't see this too often. You don't see somebody that age get saved. You don't see that. But it does happen. And I said, here's that Mrs. Buffin trophy sitting there. And he can set that thing up on a shelf and it's all nice and shiny. I said, Mrs. Buffin, I said, he'll forgive you for everything you ever did. Well, she didn't get saved that night. A couple days later, another lady walked in, talked to her from the church here, and she ends up getting saved, and a couple days later, she passes away. You say, what is that? That's somebody who got the gospel after watching a group of young people and a whole church full of people consistently going over to her house and treating her like a human. And taking, and I mean, she just loved our kids to death. She loved, the whole church would go over there and sing Christmas carols to I'm not a big Christmas man. I don't, my wife is Christmassy all over the place. I'm, I like out in the middle of the ocean, you couldn't stop and get a Christmas tree for the ship. I mean, they just didn't have Christmas tree stands thousand miles out. They just didn't have them, so it just really wasn't those, one of those big things I cared about. But Mrs. Buffett, it seemed to care about her. You say, what was it? That? that was getting the gospel. I could have went and told her all the great things about the tribulation. I could have told her all the great things about the Old Testament, New Testament, all the things that are coming, and none of that would have got to her. Boy, you start telling her about Jesus Christ, and he died for her sins, and he will forgive you and give you eternal life. And, and those kind of things sparked her up. And at the very end of that thing, she thought 82 years and thought there was no hope. Get out of here. There's got to be somebody that had told her in 82 years there was hope. Man, my hope is built. My hope is built on. Well, I can't even sing the song right. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I de- I'm telling you, man, everything I got is built on him. I'm glad somebody, when I was a kid, got the gospel. I was telling them during Sunday school class, when I was a young man, they used to have tents, and they'd have sawdust in the tents. And I don't know who preached. I don't know whether it was Assembly of God, Church of God, Church of Christ. Baptist, Catholic. I have no idea. I was just a little kid down the street and there's a tent up there at the end of the street at the church. And I went up there and and sit in the bleachers and run through the sawdust and probably caused more trouble than anything else. But I heard the gospel preached and it went in there and at 22, it finally sunk in. And I trusted Jesus Christ. The gospel is the most important thing this world will ever see. Joseph, Joseph, Oh, man, I'll never get through this. I'm going to have to stop right here in a minute. I didn't even get through the first three or four pages, the first three or four lines. The story of Joseph is one of the, of the illustrations. Out of those illustrations, Joseph's life, uh, his, his illustration of his life is a picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a prophetic picture. You couldn't miss the thing. Uh, Daniel's the same one. I'm, I'll get to that next week probably because i have to finish this one tonight. Uh, one of those illustrations in his life uh, it was when he sit here, and, and he could have, when he, them, all his brothers were before him, and he looks at them, and they still don't know who he is. And he could have killed all 10 of them right there. He said, you're spies. And he didn't do it. We don't understand a lot about Jesus Christ sometimes, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. But when you start reading these Old Testament stories, and you start looking at the characters of these people's lives, you start seeing that stuff. Joseph was sitting there, and he knew them. You know, Jesus Christ knows you. The problem is, is, a lot of times we don't know him, but he knows you. He knows everything about you. And sometimes he's hidden from us because we can't tell who he is because we haven't got to that conviction place yet. And you start getting under conviction and start realizing, Hey, Jesus Christ said in the new Testament, he said, no man cometh unto me, but the father sent him. I remember when I first got saved, I was sitting there looking at, at I come, Catholic, born and raised Roman Catholic. and I come up to the Gospels, and I'm reading about John the Baptist, baptized in Jesus. And, and I see the Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit like a dove coming down and Jesus in the water. And, and it was like God, the Father. I'm sitting there lost as a goose, and I'm sitting there reading that, and it's like he just stops. The Holy Spirit stops this thing and says, what do you see right there? I said, well, I see the Father. I've been Catholic, church, taught us that all the time. God, Father, you're in heaven. And I'm talking to him like he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, you're in heaven. He goes, okay, what else do you see? I see the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. He goes, okay, what else do you see? I said, I see Jesus in the water. You know, up to that point, Jesus really was a little baby in Mary's arms or dead on a cross. He never was a risen living Savior to me. I didn't even think about him. I thought about God the Father and the Holy Spirit all the time. You say the rosary is Hail Mary full of grace or our Father who art in heaven. It never is Jesus Christ in there anywhere. All the years I was in the Catholic Church, he was never prominent to me. Until that day, and then then it was like the Lord saying, Mike, just the Holy Spirit was running things through my head. If you come up here right now, what am I going to do to you? I said, you can only do one thing, and that's throw me in hell. That's what you're going to do to me. And he goes, okay. He goes, that's my job. I said, yeah. He goes, what do you think the Holy Spirit's job is? I said, well, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he's convict me of sin, And I said, you know, I'm a sinner, and I know I'm a sinner. And I said, he's just going to tell me. He goes, yeah, he's going to tell you you're a sinner. And if you come up here, I'm going to throw you in hell. I said, yeah, I got that. I got that part. I wasn't even mad. Never was I mad. I knew that it was truth. I wasn't mad at that. You know, somebody who's lost, really, and they know they're lost, they're not mad at the truth. They want the truth. The devil's just got us confused and think that we don't want to tell them because we're afraid to hurt them. They're already hurting. You remember when you were lost, undone in your sin? Do you remember that? I do. I was lost. I was undone. I was just miserable. And then he said, what else you see? I said, Jesus in the water. And then all of a sudden he said, in my son in whom I'm well pleased. I said, in your son. You know, before Joseph's brother could ever realize that was Joseph, they had to realize what they did wrong. Back here in 43, 42, verse 21. Joseph was sitting there talking to him. He told him to bring their youngest son. He had an interpreter. And they said one to another, verse 21, We are very guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul. Talking about Joseph many years earlier when they threw him in the pit. When he sought uh, us and we would not hear, therefore, in this distress cometh, therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, said, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye did not hear. He was seventeen years old when they did that to him. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. They knew it. They knew they were sinners. Before somebody could get saved, they gotta realize they're a sinner. Joseph is listening. You know what he is? A type of Christ. Before God will ever reveal Jesus Christ to us, you know what you gotta do? You gotta to get to the place where you realize he's the Son of God, and that you're a lost sinner. And it's your sin that caused that problem. You know when you start dealing with somebody, what you gotta realize is there you see the compassion in Joseph? Back in 40, go to 45. I'll, I, I, I could stop right here. Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried. Jesus wept. Joseph is crying for his brothers. There's another part in here, he has to go away. Yeah. He's sitting there, man, he's mean to him. He says, you do this, he can't take it no more. He has to leave. And he goes over and he just starts bawling his eyeballs out. See, sometimes we have to go through things in life that God puts us through. And he don't like one bit putting us through it. But you and I cannot learn the things we need to learn unless he puts you through. what. You You know why me and my my wife sit down and talk. We got married when I was 32 and she was 27. And I'm sitting there, she had some things going on in her life before me, and I had some things going on before her. And, and we sit there back and forth talking, and we both had to go through those things to become what we were at that moment. And the moment we met, I knew that she was the woman for me, and she knew I was the guy for her. And, and it was just, it was like, you know, heaven on earth, and, and we've been married going on 32 years now, and, and five kids, and now uh, four grandbabies, a new one the other night. And, and I'm sitting there going, I said, Lord, I remember a time when I had nothing, nothing, And he goes, yeah. He said, aren't you glad I made you wait those nine years? And I said, yeah, I'm sure glad you did, but boy, those nine years were rough. He goes, yeah, they were rough. He goes, and I didn't like putting you through it, but you needed to go through it. Because then you get out there and you really appreciate it. 22 years old, I'm glad I didn't get saved before 1980. Because the things he put me through and the things he changed my life for made me appreciate what he did for me on that back porch that night. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life, and when I get to heaven, I think for all eternity, all I could ever do is thank Him for what he did for me on that back porch. You know what Joseph is doing right here? He's a perfect type of Christ. He's making his brothers come to the realization they're the ones who caused the problem. I can solve it in a moment. I have at my fingertips everything God that the Pharaoh has in God. Everything the Pharaoh has in Egypt is at my fingertips. You know, Jesus Christ right now has everything in his fingertips to solve any problem you have. He can do anything. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things. I can do all things. There's nothing I can't do. If he tells me to do something, he has the resources to get me to do it. I, I don't even doubt that anymore. But I've slowed down to say, okay, Lord, is this really what you want? And if I have to throw Gideon's fleece out, I'll throw Gideon's fleece out ten times to make sure I know exactly what he wants. Because I know once he tells me to do something, he's going to supply all my needs to do that. Joseph is sitting here watching his brethren. It says, then Joseph, verse 1, could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, causing every man to go out. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. You know, his brethren couldn't, couldn't believe it was him. They were sure that he was dead. Well, the only way you can make sure somebody is dead is to kill them. And isn't it amazing how the Lord protected Joseph all the way through here? And how Jesus was protected. He protected himself all the way through his life, up, even up to the time he died at Calvary. He was protected. And when he got, Joseph got thrown in the pit, Jesus Christ was thrown in a tomb. Uh, three, uh, Joseph comes back up out of that pit and, and he rises to second to, in Egypt. And Jesus comes up out of that pit, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Joseph is a perfect, when you start getting in the Gospels, oh, oh, oh. Joseph is a type of Christ in four categories. He's the beloved son. Joseph, Jacob loved Joseph. He was the son of Rachel. He was the eldest son. He loved him, he's the eldest son of Rachel. Benjamin was his brother. Joseph did everything his father wanted. Jesus Christ did everything his father wanted. Uh, He said, I always do that which pleases my father. That was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ always did the right thing. Joseph did the right thing. Number two, Joseph, he's a suffering servant. He was sent to his brethren. Jacob sent Joseph to his brethren to see what they were doing. The father sent his son down here to see what we were doing. He knows what we're doing. We're messing up. He's the exalted sovereign. Joseph is taken from the pit uh, and the prison and is exalted. Jesus Christ is taken from the pit and uh, from the prison of of the bars of hell, and he's exalted to heaven. He he rises from the tomb. The seeking savior, Joseph sought, brought, and forgave, and restored fellowship with his brothers. He looked at his brothers sitting there, and he's looking for a way to resolve their problem, but the only way he can resolve their problem is they have to do something to get it resolved. He said, go back and bring your brother Benjamin. You say, what is that? You got to go get somebody and bring him back. And he brought them back. They still didn't know who he was. He did everything in front of them mysteriously. He set them all in order according to their ages, uh, according to their, their standing as sons to Jacob. When they sit down, they were like, "How? well, I'm your brother, you morons. You don't know that, but that's what I am. That's how I can do this. As of, well, I could also give a dream. So, and, and you know what? Joseph had some dreams. And he had this one dream. He said that, he was out there and eleven uh, his sheep stood up and 11 bowed down to him. That was his brothers. Then he had another dream and his daddy was there, Jacob was there, and he said, the sun and the moon and, and the seven, 11 stars bowed down and, made, and they knew exactly who he was talking about. And they never thought nothing about it. And here's Joseph looking down and here's all 11 of them bowed down to him. You're talking about deja vu. All of a sudden Joseph's looking down and he thinks, man, Lord, you've done, done it again 27 years later. See, sometimes God's not in a big hurry to get across to a group of men, what he needs them to get. He's got all the time in the world. You know what we need to do is work on ourselves. The more we work on us, the more God can use us to work on somebody else. It's never something that's instantaneous. It never is. We got the, we're in this society right now where we think everything is Burger King. I want it right now. I can get it my way. No, you can't get it your way. If you do get it your way, it's going to add five pounds. Forget it. You don't want it your way. Exalted sovereign. He's a seeking savior. He seeks out his brethren, the wicked brethren who wronged Joseph and sent. Those, four, those 11 boys, Benjamin wasn't in it, but the 11, the 10 of them were out to kill him. Then they lied to their, they didn't lie to their. I hear preacher after preacher say, oh, how they lied to their. They didn't really lie, they deceived. They took his coat and tore it up and dipped it in blood of an animal and took it to his dad and said, is this Joseph's coat? And the dead Joseph, Jacob sitting there looking at the coach and said, oh, my son Jacob, Joseph, he's dead, he's gone. They never told him it, he didn't die, that we ripped it up. They just let him believe whatever he wanted to believe. God hid that from Jacob so that he could get down to the road down here. Away. Sometimes the Lord puts things in our lives that isn't something fun, but it'll get you to Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have him change a thing in my life up to this point. Definitely not a thing in my life up to the time I got saved. Because it makes me appreciate everything he did for me. So many people, they get saved young, and they never understand what Jesus Christ really did for them. You don't understand the depravity of the world until you see it. When I seen that chief, uh, they pulled his casket off, and, and I, I, was, I knew it was a, a burial and it was an all-honor all funeral and everything else. And there's just a lot of different ways to go. And, and I sit sitting there looking at him and I said, Lord, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit on you, and I don't want to quit on the world, and I don't want to go that way. I don't know what caused that man to do what he did and the pressures he has, but I know that this world, without hope and without God, the pressures will be enormous on people's lives. With what's going on right now in our world, it's a crazy world we live in right now. I'll be 64 here in a couple days, and what I've seen in 64 short years is unbelievable, and the young people today do not see any part of that. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, them poor, how are they going to see it? The only way they're going to see it is through us. And most adults anymore, they just want to retire and sit back and do nothing. And really, we're the ones, we're the kingpins of this whole thing. We need to be the guys, sit back and help them. We need to be the Josephs, where we're sitting back and, and trying to get Jesus Christ to them until they understand who he is. What's amazing, I'll stop right here and I'll pray, but God, Jesus, Joseph sit there and waited till those boys got right. And the conviction was right where it needed to be. And he said, I'm Joseph, your brother. When, when the Lord said, when I was sitting there to praying on that back porch that night, I just got up there and said, hey, I need you. I don't know exactly what to say. I have no idea what to say. I haven't been trained what to say. I just know what this book says. And it says, if I don't believe on you, I'm in trouble. I don't know what I said. But boy, I tell you what, three weeks later, when I was bawling my eyeballs out in front of my uncle, who's a Southern Baptist preacher, and he sat there and he tried to win me to Christ, and I said, I did, that, I did 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 that. He goes, Mike, you're saved. I said, what's that? I was Catholic. I, was, I, I don't know what saved is. They always told us you're saved if you're Catholic, you're going to heaven. That's the biggest lie you ever said. right out devil's hell. You don't get saved by being a Catholic or a Baptist. You get saved by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived two thousand years ago. I like the gospel. Christ died for my sins, according to the scriptures. The Bible says he died. You know, this is the only thing you got that tells you that. This is the only thing you got that proves any part of that. He died according to, according to the scriptures. Do you believe the Bible's Word of God? I do. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I don't have a problem with this thing. I believe that King James 1611 is the Word of God. I've got, if you want to sit down, I'll sit down and talk to you about it. I'll tell you why I believe it. Has nothing to do with Bible college and three years of Greek and a year of Hebrew. Has nothing to do with any of Has done with a dumb little hillbilly sitting down there asking God. And he shows you out of the book which one's the right book. You get that thing down, all of a sudden he starts showing you some stuff and you get that thing. It says, according to the scriptures, do you believe Christ died? Number one, do you even believe he walked the planet? Yeah. Do you believe in God? Yes. It'll take you right to where you need to be with somebody. Yeah, I believe Christ died. Do you believe he was buried? Yes, I believe he was buried. I've been to that tomb. I believe I was right at the tomb, outside the gates, in a, in a hole in a wall. I believe I was right there. If not, it sure looks good. It looks good. The Calvary's sitting right It looks good. It looks good. And I'm sitting there going, I believe he died. I believe he's buried. And I don't have no problem with him coming up out of the ground. If you can build a universe, surely you're going to have no problem of making somebody come out of the ground no matter how long they've been dead. I said, and one of these days, you're going to bring me up out of the ground, even if I do die. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, I, I believe that you can do whatever you said you could do. And then I got over to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and it said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. And I, I confessed the best I could. Rolf tried to get me to that, and he goes, Mike, you're saved. I said, what is that? And he goes, you trusted Jesus Christ. Yes, what that book said. He looked at me and said, Mike, I haven't seen anybody get saved like you in years. That has stuck with me for 40 years, 42 years. How could you not see somebody get saved like that? Because you're just giving them the gospel and you're getting them to say some words. And you never get them to the place or let them get to the place where the Holy Spirit can convict them of their sins. And they cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save their souls. Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ, because he held back until the moment those, those boys would believe that that was Joseph. You know what he did? He held back in my life till I was 22, to. I understood that he was the Savior and that he could save my soul. And at that point, I put my trust in him, and I had my trust in him for 42 years. The gospel is one of the most important things in our lives. All the other stuff, doctrine, all that stuff is great. But it pales, to me it pales to the gospel because that chief, if he died and was lost, he's in a devil's hell this morning. You know one thing I like about the gospel? You don't ever know who's saved and who's not. I know people who tell me they're saved and I seriously doubt it. I know people who who don't really understand what salvation is and when you tell them they say, yeah, I did that, man, I did that. We were talking about Bobby a little while ago. I mean, I said back here, I was baptizing Robert, and Bobby pops in. The, I said, Bobby, would you like to get saved? He goes, yeah, I think I would. He gets down right there on the ground and gets saved as I'm baptizing somebody else. And then, I, and then he comes up a little while later, a couple weeks later, and says, well, you know, Mike, he goes, I, you know the words you said? I said, yeah. He goes, uh, I said those in a halfway house about two months ago. I said, did you? He goes, yes, I did. I said, did you mean it two months ago? He goes, yeah. He goes, I did. I didn't understand what I, all of a sudden it brought back to me my my experience. I didn't know what I said either. And he goes, I I did that. I said, Bobby, is that what you trust? I said, because it really has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you. I said, I trust what I did at Calvary, 1980 on the back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. Do you trust what you did at Calvary two months ago? He goes, yes, I did. I said, then Bobby, hang on to that. Bobby passed away, got to the priest's funeral. You know what I know? I know right where, like Andrew said, I know right where Bobby went because of his testimony, because of what he said and what he believed, not what I made him believe. He knew exactly what he believed and when he believed it. I don't think you can know Jesus Christ and trust him and not know when you did it. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you know exactly when you did it. You don't have to say the words I said. You just have to say the words that will get his attention and he'll save your soul. You know what Joseph did? He's a Oh, man, I have, I have three other pages to go through, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stop right here. The gospel is the greatest thing. Christ died for our sins. According, you know what this world needs? is They need a good dose of the gospel. They need some men and women who will go out and tell them and share the gospel with them. Share it. Give it to them. And don't expect them to get saved the moment, but just give it to them. And let the Holy Spirit do his job. You know what? If we just get back to letting God do what he does best, that we might see some results. I told him in Sunday school class today, we're in the brass age. Actually, we're in the plastic age. Everything is plastic now. It's not brass anymore. It's all plastic. Uh, everything we got is plastic. And we may never get back to the, the, uh, the Philadelphia church age. But boy, I tell you what, in the brass age, we can still have some fun. And we can still win some souls. And we can still get out there and tell people about Jesus Christ. And we can still lift up our Savior the way he ought to be lifted up. You know what Joseph did? He cried. He wept. Because all of a sudden he started seeing a reunion with him and his brethren. And he wanted to see his father again. And he goes, send the wagons. Go get my dad, man. Bring him back. Here's the next thing. I'll do this. I will shut up now. You know what the hardest thing, as I was reading through this whole story, the hardest thing I had to imagine is how were those 10 boys going to go back to their dad that Joseph wasn't dead, number one, and that we've lied to you for 27 years? We've held the truth back from you for 27 years. And what Jacob would think about those 10 boys for the rest of their lives because of what they did. And Joseph never mentions their sin ever again. And I'm sitting, they come to him later and say, Joseph, Jacob's dead. And we went, and he goes, he goes, he's Far the farthest thing from my mind, don't even think about it. He said, I'm here to take care of you. He said, just remember when y'all leave out of here, you take my bones with you. He goes, you're going to leave out of here. When you do, take me with you. Don't leave me behind in this place. And they did. Joseph was a perfect picture of Jesus Christ. And that story is sitting in the Old Testament, and Joseph is sitting there. And and you read Joseph, you read Adam and Eve. Uh, I'll talk about Daniel tonight. But I'm telling you, brother, we have some of the greatest things in our Bible sitting before us that all point to a man named Jesus Christ. God manifests in the flesh that came 2,000 years ago, and and the things he allows us to go through is to get us to point, point us to Calvary. And when we get there, we find him, and if we can get saved, there is people out there without hope, without God, they're just miserable, and they have no answers, and we have the answers. What we need to do is give it to them. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I know it's a small crowd. I know probably just about everybody in here is probably saved uh Lord, but the gospel message is still the gospel message it's a great message, and it's something we never need to lose Lord as we get doctrine and doctrine and doctrine, there's so much Bible that we get it's uh, it's unbelievable uh lord there's a lot of men and, and uh, ladies going through bible college out of this out of this little church and uh father down south today but Lord, we had two two older people graduate uh Friday night and uh lord they they their course down there lord and it's just a blessing that they get exposed to it but uh, no matter how much Bible we learn, uh, no matter how much we get into the life of Paul or Peter, James or John or Moses or any of the rest of them, Father Ezekiel, jo- uh, Jeremiah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Lord, if we forget that the gospel is really, you ca- said you came to seek and save that which was, you or, uh, that which was lost, uh, Lord, then uh, we've really forgot the whole thing. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to always remember that there's going to be some people that come before us from time to time and they won't see Jesus in us quite yet. Uh, Lord, and they're going to be lost, and they're going to have to go through some things, and Lord, sometimes we're going to have to let them go through it and not hinder it and let it go and let it come, but in the end, Lord, uh, they will come back to, uh, like Joseph's brothers came back to him. He said, come, and they came. Uh, Lord, he made, a, uh, made an offer, Lord, and they came, and then he sent them, told them to go, and they went, and they brought back Jacob. Uh, Lord, help us to always remember that uh, you're, you always said, come unto me, Lord, you told us to come. And, Lord, once we come, Lord, you're going to send us out like you did the, the maniac of Gadara, Lord. You sent him back to his people. Lord, help us never forget what we're here for. And, Lord, again, thank you for letting us come to church this morning. And, Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Uh, where's that? Oh, you got a song? And next week we'll be back to normal. I do want to say this before I go. Normally I am gone uh, with them, the traitors. Uh... <laughs> I can say that this year because I'm here. Uh, but I, you know what The blessing to me was? I realized, I said, you know, every time we leave out of here, what we leave you guys with, and I said, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to let that happen again. I'm going to make sure from here on out that when groups of people leave out of here that everything is covered here so we still have a good... Last Sunday we had a great service. I think we had a good one of the day. I'm still happy to be in church on Sunday. But uh, sometimes when you sit back and stay... You all of a sudden realize that hey, there is actual people back here that are the same as those that leave. And and we should have church. Anchor Baptist Church should be fully staffed. So my daughter is back. She's we flew her in from Washington. She's here permanently now. We didn't fly her in. She actually drove drove in this time. But she's not going back. But she's a, a pianist, so we're gonna have two or three pianos. We need an organ player, uh, so we can add that in there. I mean, we can you play the organ? Oh, good. So we got we got a piano player and an organ player, then at least we got that sound. I like music. And I think, Andrew, you got a song? I'll shut up. Otherwise I'll start preaching again. I have
2: two songs. i only seen
0: one. I'm thinking of uh my hope nothing but Jesus' blood and righteousness and second song came to mind, how firm a foundation. And anything else outside of Jesus' blood and righteousness is less. Uh, than so anything you can ever have your hope built on. You can't have your help but hope built on anything else. Uh, once you get Jesus' blood and the righteousness that falls thereafter, that's the greatest thing you'll ever get. And uh, from that foundation, how firm a foundation, the, uh, the song says here, you saints of the Lord is laying for your faith in His excellent Word. Uh, and from, from once you get the blood and righteousness, you've got to pick up the Word and you got to start doing something with it. You're not going to grow as a Christian unless you go uh, through that Word. So 268... Uh we'll start off we'll sing all five verses here. Uh two sixty eight, How Firm a Foundation. <laughs> Thank you that we're able to be in church. Uh, Lord, we have our church split in two different places right now, and uh, we have the people here that are able to continue things for the people up up here in Dayton, Ohio, and then we have the people that are uh, down there being a blessing to another church in Jacksonville right now, Lord. And we thank you for everything you've allowed us to be. Uh, Lord, as a church, uh, being able to do that and being able to uh, continue on here uh, in the absence of the people that have left, and I I just pray that you be with them as they're traveling safely. Uh, Lord on their way back you be with all the vehicles be with all the, the flights. Uh, Lord don't uh, we just pray for uh, uh, everybody who's making that trip Lord today, for the ones that are leaving tomorrow the next day I just pray that you be with them as well. Uh, Lord uh, we pray that that was a time of refreshing down there. Uh, a time of uh, help for the people that left and went down there. We thank you for the ones that graduated. We just pray that you continue to watch over their ministries and their witnesses. Uh, Lord, we've had several people graduate, and they may only be uh, just people that are are good witnesses and soul winners, Lord, and they may never preach, uh, but, Lord, they've bothered to learn the Bible and to spend the time learning things that they know will be a help to them in their Christian life. And I pray, Lord, that we'd all get to that mindset, Lord, that we only have a limited amount of time here left, and uh, we need to do as much as we can uh, for you, Lord, even if it's in a prison uh, or, or if it's in a king's palace, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to do whatever we can with what we have in our hands. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.
2: Amen.